This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. And we promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Josh Wetzel, CRO at OneSignal. Josh, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you, Art. I'm happy to be here. Terrific. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you on. Okay, uh, let me set the stage for the, the audience. Um, according to Statista, last year, 2021, daily, emails alone were sent a whooping 320 billion times. Emails, the first kind of digital messaging that was adopted in mid-90s, and by now, they exist almost solely for business, and occasionally millennials or older generations may share something via email when they don't need or don't want a quick turnaround. Now, add on top of it 100 billion WhatsApp messages, countless number of Facebook Messenger messages, Apple iMessage, Telegram, Viber, WeChat, and uh, a couple dozens of popular instant messaging, messaging apps on top of that. It's an ocean, ocean of messages that circulate every day, every hour, every millisecond. In this episode, we have Josh from OneSignal to share with you an insight from 100 billion messages sent by one signal company. But before doing that, let's talk about you, George. Um, tell us about yourself, your background. Yeah, Art, uh, I grew up in uh, Northern California and actually Palo Alto, California. So kind of ground zero for startup culture. Definitely, uh, I was lucky um, and I feel fortunate every single day about that. Um, and I just got, you know, look, I got, I was passionate early on, you know, because as I graduated from high school and college around tech, and I've just been blessed to, to be part of some great businesses. I've also been part of some, some failed businesses, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's been an, it's been an awesome journey. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, that's me. I, I live in Northern California. I've been leading kind of, uh, you know, on the business kind of go to market distribution side for software and e-com businesses for the last 20 years. Um, and currently, as you mentioned, at one signal. Got it. All right, that's that's um, that's a story for twenty years being in that field. Um, I bet you have a lot of stories to recall, but we don't have that much time on this episode. Let's get back to uh, one signal, the company you're working for. Um, what do you guys do? Yeah, so we're the most widely adopted mobile customer engagement product. So we enable um, businesses, but usually mobile apps to build um, messaging across multiple channels. So omni-channel kind of journeys for users. 10% um, of all mobile apps today have installed the OneSignal SDK um, and we're delivering north of 10 billion messages a day. Uh, the majority oh. of those are mobile specific messages. So think push notifications, um, but increasingly email and SMS are being used on the platform. And then in-app messages, we don't consider those. Those are separate, but those are, those are basically messages that you can orchestrate within the app when a user's uh, navigating the, your application. Both iOS and Android, right? Both iOS, Android. We support some of the, the desktops, even support uh, Huawei, um, their specific protocol. Uh, so, yeah. All right, that's that's uh, that that's pretty big, big chunk of the market. Uh, 
because we know uh, we all know how much apps are there. My, um, if I remember correctly, about a hundred six or five point five million apps uh, being on the market. Those numbers going up and down, but um, that's that's the ballpark of how many apps out there. And um, covering ten percent of that market, that's huge. Yep. Um, okay. Getting back to uh, to the topic of the conversation, uh, which uh, the one I mentioned at the very beginning, which is. Um, when it comes to messaging in general, what are the complete set of options, kind of a toolbox that marketers should have on their disposal when they need to reach out the audience uh, and you know, sell any product via uh, app or website? Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. I think it it's varies greatly, by the way, if you're thinking about mobile um, users through a website versus mobile app, but I'll, I'll focus on mobile app given, given the audience and the conversation here. Um, look, the workhorse is going to be push um, because it's natively built into the platform. It's efficient. It's easy. Um, you've also got email. You've got SMS. Um, those, are the, those are the kind of the core three. I think most mobile app uh, uh, developers and businesses are using push. They may be hard coding in kind of in-app messages to create kind of journeys and things of that nature. Um, I, I always think about it if I would frame the question more about like, how do they want to best engage their customers and how do they onboard mm -hmm. and then successfully get those users through the journey that they're looking for them to do to hit those inflection points of value where they really sort of build loyalty to the experience. And so how we frame it, and I think this is, this is and there's different ways, uh, you know, I've seen analyst uh, firms frame this as well. But basically, at the end of the day, you want to think about and deeply analyze what your user flow looks like. Where are those points where you want them to take actions, right? I think Forrester calls this moments, the marketer's moments. Um, but you That's want right. to think about what are the important moments are. And you want to look at, isolate those. Maybe it's one, maybe it's three, four in your, in your app experience. And then you want to build messaging tying to those experiences to get them to that point and get them over that point, whether it's taking an action, whether it's filling out a profile section and like an app, uh, sorry, like think of it as a social app, whether it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a, we have a, um, a food delivery service that uses us called each street. Um, and they, you know, in their, in their world, they know that if they get to a certain number of orders, then you've, they've built not like natural loyalty and you're going to consistently use it. And then the sort of take, you take off in terms of how much you're going to be, uh, utilizing the application to, to order and have food delivered to your house. So they've built journeys to get you from like, you know, this to that, to that, you know, to each one of these steps and orders, because they know once they get to five plus, you know, they've, they've kind of got you as a, as a loyal user. Right. So it's really thinking about those moments. It's thinking about those critical points in that journey and then building messaging around that. And then taking a step below, you know, you would ask, what are the, what are the sort of options? You got to think about what are the, what are the options best for, for what thing, right? So if you're going to do an asynchronous kind of weekly update or some random promotion about like in the next month, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, that's a great promotion for email, right? Because it is asynchronous. It's something you're sending out. You know, they're not going to look at it right this minute. They might not look at it in the next day or two, but you want it there as, as some present, you know, permanent piece of communication. If you're sending a note about, hey, your order's been taken or your order, order's on the way or it's about to come or, hey, come back, we've got a, a promotion in the next 20 minutes for pizza, right? Using the food delivery right. example, you want to use push or potentially SMS, right? You need a real-time channel. You need something that's going to be... Um, 
front and center so that people get it, they're going to see it, and they can take action in that moment. Um, and so it's really about thinking about how do I use these different channels in concert with each other to make sure I'm delivering the right value to a consumer. If I'm sending a random promotions through push or SMS daily to a consumer, I'm more likely to burn that relationship. I'm going to, I mean, it's going to come across more spammy. You're filling up these important parts in my, my worldview because the, the view through, like the impression rate that you're seeing these messages is really, really high mm -hmm. versus email. So anyhow, I kind of went deep on this, but point is that you've got several options um, and it's really important to be thoughtful about how to use each option. But mo the most important thing would be think about where and analyze, look at your analytics, whether it's Google Analytics or you know a mixed panel or an amplitude or whatever maybe you're using. Look right. at those important points where consumers are either dropping off or they're having to make a difficult decision and then build your messaging around those so that you're getting people past those those in critical points so you have to think through the psychology of interaction between all those people and your app That's right. you have to keep in mind that uh, regardless how many people you have it's still real human beings with their you know schedule their busy lives their own um, way of interacting with their app and you have to try to find the right balance of communicating with them, just like you've been communicating with them in person. Uh, but just imagine instead of just one person, it's a hundred thousand people using your app. And, uh, but still you have to think about, well, trying to think mentally about all this uh, um, number of people who are using your app on a daily basis and how, how often or how rare you want to communicate with them Let's see if you will be just, you know, serving them as a client. They will be, you know, coming by to your store, um, you know, your physical store. Some some stuff can be delivered, um, um, just like you said, right away, because that's important. It's kind of expected. Uh, most likely, they're not using your app uh, like their first app. They have experience, you know, previous experience. They have expectations. Yep. Some stuff they just wait for it to get right away. Like pizza, I, I'm hungry. I wanted this stuff right now. So when it's going to be delivered? I don't want to wait in the email inbox when my pizza will be delivered next week. No, no, no. Within 30 minutes. That's kind of point of a um, psychological profile of interaction between your app and all these people, your users. Yep. Now, let's talk about the uh, email. Kind of a grandfather, grandpa, if you will, of online communication. Yep. So. Yep. What is the, I still remember my first email client, uh, Netscape, Netscape email. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of not sure about the name, but the app was, by today's standards, it would be uh, really awkward to see somebody trying to use that app. Uh, but, you know, the overall <laughs> principles were there already. So what is the use of email today for app marketer? Yeah, I mean, so you hit it on the head. Email has been the workhorse for so many digital marketers for the past two decades. Like it is the communication. Um, you know, what's interesting that, I, you know, we've seen, and I, I think this is changing rapidly quickly, is in the app first world, a lot of companies were not using email, right? Like you'd ask them, um, you know, using email, why would I use email? I've got a, I've got a mobile app, you know, it's, and, and actually it was very similar to 15 years ago. I would have conversations with large kind of media companies or, or growing media companies or, or websites. And I'd ask them, hey, do you use email to build loyalty and, and connection with your, your users? And they would say, why would I need email? I've got a website, right? Emails for somebody who doesn't have a, a digital presence. 
Um, obviously, that's that's folly. And uh, I think what we found is that you know email doesn't drive the same engagement as these real time channels do, push or SMS specifically. You know, because mm -hmm. it is asynchronous. I think you also touched on a topic at the very top of the conversation around. You know, there's just our behaviors are different. You know, I think I don't know about you, but I used to check my personal email. 20 times a day. And I was like in that box. Now I, I might go a day or two without even going into that email. Um, exactly. Uh, so I think it's, it's just our, our behaviors have changed quite a bit, um, but it still is a valuable channel. And I think it's an important one for them to be thinking about again, for these asynchronous communications, like roundups, um, you know, business of apps, uh, a weekly roundup email, for example, it's great. And like, when you go engage with it, it's there. I just wouldn't be doing rapid communications there because you're not going to get that response. To your point a second ago about like the food delivery, it's got to be right then and there. That's true of so many different industries. So you think about mobile games, I've hit this level, you know, do this to get to the next level or your friends on come join and compete. Like there's so many of these different really important messages that drive this interaction. If you were to do that through email, you know, your response rate is going to be abysmal. And more importantly, the actual satisfaction from your users to take those actions would be, you know, off the charts low and just a waste of time. So it's important. I think it should be part of, of anyone's engagement strategy, but it needs to be kind of a minor factor in the app uh, world because it is asynchronous and because the engagements are much lower. Gotcha. Let's move on pushing the notifications. Um, you know, years ago, uh, we're, um, you know, the concept of push notification uh, was kind of a new, um, I do remember, you know, uh, the days when I, I was getting just a few push notifications, probably from the native iOS uh, apps, because they didn't exist for other apps back then. Uh, could be email or a weather app or something. But uh, today, uh, many people still do experience push notification as a concept, as an idea, you know, on the receiving end. When they're getting those uh, messages yeah. on their mobile devices, but what about the uh, using push notifications um, uh, for an app marketer uh, use? Uh, how do you embed them into the app marketing strategy? Yeah, I mean, well, for one, if you've got a mobile app and you're not using push notifications, then that's a great starting point. Um, you know, push should be your primary workhorse channel for an app, um, and there's many reasons. It's real time. It's efficient. Um, it's generally free, meaning that like you have to pay for maybe a, pro a provider for a one signal, by the way, you can start for free and you can use it at massive scale, but if you want to do advanced functionality, you got to pay. Um, but it, it's it basically free in terms of you be able to deliver messages. So that's amazing versus say SMS and to a lesser extent email, which is relatively inexpensive for volume. Um, but it's got great view through engagement. You know, it's, it has to be tied to kind of in-app education, onboarding, re-engagement opportunities. You know, one of the things you, you mentioned up top talking about, like, you know, I would get some of these messages. I wasn't sure what they were. And the reason why I'm even actually at OneSignal was I had this uh, epiphany about nine, 10 months before I joined. I was in New York City. Um, I, was, I was at a larger company. We were doing some press around launching a brand new product. And um, I was presenting at a conference and, and doing some, some TV stuff. So I had to get to these meetings. It was pouring mm -hmm. rain. And... Um, Usually you can just get a yellow cab. It's pretty easy, but when it's raining, everyone's taking cabs. And I hate these ride sharing and I hated the ride sharing companies in places like New York City because you would you'd book it and it'd be like five minutes and it'd always be 30 minutes because they're rolling around. It's just a hassle. Yeah. But I didn't have a choice. 
And so I, I ordered one of these cars up. And what happened next was, you know, not too dissimilar than happened in the past, but because I had this like high anxiety about getting to this place in this specific time, I was really attuned to what was happening. And basically you get the message like, hey, car's on this way, car, this is the car on the license plate, car's two minutes away, car's on this corner, go. And I was able to get out and it was one of those rains where it was like a couple inches an hour kind of thing. So if you were in the outside too long, you get drenched. I got in the car, took off, made my meetings. And I couldn't stop thinking about how valuable these messages were in terms of accentuating and valuing the service, right? So like I was able to like stay attuned to the service without having to have the app sitting open. And mm -hmm. I started thinking about all the other apps I had on my phone and, and how these things played into either good experiences or not so great experiences. And I had this, this aha, in fact, the next day flying home, I, I spent the entire flight looking at, you know, how many companies do this, how many, how, how many SDKs were installed, who had raised funding. Like it was a pretty monumental thing where I actually changed my thought process. I'm like, okay, I'm excited to go work in this space. Like, I didn't know if I would, but six, seven, eight months later, when I was ready for me to, to, to leave and, and go back to a startup, I, I sort of actually focused in on this category and had conversation with several of the companies, but it really came down to this fact. I was like, Hey, real-time communication, it extends the value of, of an app. You don't have to be living in the app. You know, it allows like a, you know, anyone to be able to carry on a conversation and engagement with a customer when they're not in your store, whether it's virtual in an app or, you know, physical, whatever it may be. So I, I think you have to think about like, to me, push and SMS are so critical in the world we're going towards, particularly when you like, you combine physical and digital or any of these digital specific businesses. So anyhow, I kind of went on a tangent there, but. Oh, that's, that's totally uh, to the point. I mean, um the more apps become part of our life uh in a meaningful way the more value they deliver to us on a daily basis the more um kind of um synchronized they should be on the rhythm of our life and don't break it don't uh, be like a distraction but help help us to you know move through the day um having a lot of you know on our play on our plate to you know on a busy day on the even on a leisure day, um, you have some stuff planned uh, in advance. Unless when you're sleeping, I guess that's the moment when you have any plans. Otherwise, when you're awake, there's always something in your mind uh, and you have to um, have have push notifications, a right tool for the apps that are helping you out um, day in, day out. Yep. Now, we're kind of moving from a broad to, you know, closer and closer, you know, kind of a uh, decreasing, I would say, scale from email push. Oh, well, actually, push is more is a bigger scale than email. But now we're in the in-app messages. Yep. Uh, messages that are being sent inside an app to people who are using the app. So, what would you like app marketers pay attention to these kind of a channel? Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually surprised. So we've got a bunch of customer case studies and companies got on the record on this, but I'm shocked at how few people use in-app messages or if they use them, they're hard coding kind of a message, but it's not tied to their segmentation on their messaging. But these are incredible mechanism to do basic but critical things like properly onboarding a new user, right? So they download mm -hmm. the app, like go through a series that we have this thing called carousel where you can go through like four or five screens to basically explain like, okay, go do this, go do that. Um, we built triggers so that like, hey, if you haven't accepted permission for push notifications or you haven't, you haven't um, given location, if that's valuable for your app or whatever it may be, 
these things just enable you as a business person, as a, as a marketer to be able to message users, either in like a small form, full, full screen, you know, you have all the flexibility in the world. We, we actually enable full HTML and app messages. So you can just pull over your full app experience. Um, but they're critical to that, that journey that you're trying to create at these kind of going back to the moments concept, you want to create an experience where you're bringing someone mm -hmm. in and you're landing them where you, where you, where they're most likely to understand what you're trying to get accomplished or what they're, you know, with the value prop of what you're trying to do. And we're seeing massive LTV lift um, utilizing these. So we've got several companies, you know, talk about this, but you know, hundred plus percent LTV when you're tying your push to in-app because you can create this very uh, comprehensive back and forth um, and they really tie in together, but it's, it really, at the end of the day, it's, it's a way for, for app developers specifically to enable kind of the marketing business folks to be able to do promotions and education and onboarding without having to hard code things in the app and then re-release the app. And so I think it's, it surprises me how few of the people take advantage of it. Um, I think it's essential, but it, to me, it will become more and more essential and the larger apps, by the way, we have, we have relationships with large mobile game studios and, you know, and others, they typically have built mm -hmm. some functionality in this because it is so important, you know, whether it's like changing levels and, and providing a screen around, Hey, you know, level up by buying some, you know, X thing. And, you know, from <laughs> in an app purchase or level up by adding X profile picture or level up by adding, you know, these four friends that, you know, or we know you're connected to, but you haven't connected to in the game or, um, or cross promotions, right. These studios are adding new games, um, same thing with food. Like we see it with the food delivery stuff. Um, you know, uh, Shake Shack's done some really cool stuff with promotions, whether it's like cultural things, you know, 420 mm -hmm. in the U S is like a, is a funny cultural day. So they'll do something about having the munchies and wanting to eat more food. Um, so there's a lot of things of that nature that I think you can do, have fun with that in our messages enable you to do. I think the market will catch up with uh, what what is known, what is accepted by game developers, because they're kind of a, a first in this journey to explore um, new techniques and be more um, innovative at, and attentive to the uh, the whole um, the whole. Um, I don't want to say um, the the process of inter interaction between the app and the user. And you don't want to leave that person alone. Um, uh, it's it's your way to give it a kind of a human touch when you can help him out to do a certain function in the app. You're, you're doing your best to create the best user experience, creating great user UI. Yeah. But yep. still, there's a chance that you may miss some use case for somebody. It will not be obvious as is obvious for you. So if you want to help that person out, you can put that message out just to a small hint for him to let him know what it what needs to be done. And obviously games, um, it's kind of a, the, the most um, obvious, the most brightest example, but there are a lot of apps that would require the same approach and it's just a matter of uh, um, execution and um, using platforms like OneSignal. Yep. And now let's uh, switch to the next question, which will be, you know, um, it was important even before Apple introduced its, you know, by now famous ATT. For some reason, I do want to say AT&T. No, no, ATT framework ATT, yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Now, but now the question is, um, 
how you increase so by now the question how you increase the number of uh, opt-in users uh, on ios is kind of crucial because it used to be uh, opt-out now you, ha you have to opt-in people for something uh they will like um for certain features and send the app namely um do you do people give you permission to track them between uh your app and other apps for the advertising purpose um and and that's become the norm people do realize that uh, we should accept it well i, th I think by now uh, more than after uh, more than a year that since it was introduced uh, a lot of app developers uh, uh just um don't question that concept anymore it's just a given yes. so what would you suggest brands and marketers in this respect uh in this post um idfa world well, I think the first is transparency about why and specifically providing a, a user the value prop. So if you're an ad supported, you know, free game or you're an ad supported um, media experience or a a work management like to do app, right? Like there's this thing called one, what is it? Wonder work or wonder. I forget. I used to love that app. I think Microsoft bought them, but um I think it's really laying out the, hey, we give this great product away for free, but we need you to opt in, you know, and give permission for, for this. Um, and I think that's true for whether it's uh, to your point about tracking, um, location, and then notification permission, right? So be you know, the ability to, to message them. So I, I think it's, that's the first and foremost is like, you have to give some value exchange and you have to explain what that value is um, when you're ad supported. It's a little bit more complicated. I think there's a lot of like this almost become this political point of view of whether you want to be tracked or not. And but um, I think you've just got to be open and honest about it. And I think that, by the way, this not to not to plug this, but I think this is where in-app messaging comes into play big time, because if you have the ability like we we at default have templates where you can turn them on and it would just trigger and you can pick when you want to trigger it. Um, a message that says, hey, you've not opted into to notifications, um, click here, you know, to do it. And you can, you can paraphrase it, you could add in your value prop into that. But that's really critical, because knowing that, hey, Art, you haven't, you haven't, uh, you haven't opted in, um, we provide this great free service, you'd get a lot more value by being, uh, uh, you know, permissioning the notifications, yada, yada, yada. That stuff is is important to growing your your base, like the number of people that have opted in or connected. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the key thing. But it's it's an interesting world. We're we're shifting dramatically, real fast, from you know a world where it was a lot less regulation and kind of do a lot of different things in the ad space, which I spent a little bit of time in and a programmatic kind of ad tech vendor about a decade plus ago. So I understand it deeply is complicated right we got to a point where you could track individuals and all their activities and then you can funnel back uh you know advertisements to them that are creepily or eerily very well done um i'm sure we've right. all had that experience on on a facebook product in the past where mm -hmm. you're like you're talking to your friend about something and next thing you know like that brand or brand similar to them or directly marketing to you um you know i think that's we're going past that where it's probably gonna be more difficult for them to do that um, so it depends on how you feel about that, but anyhow, regardless, I think messaging can have a, a material impact on helping deliver that value prop so that consumers do opt in for whether it's tracking, whether it's location or permission on, on messaging. Moving on to the next topic, what would be the takeaway, uh, for app marketers when it comes to messaging, Josh? 
Yeah, I think it's critical now, you know, the technology is there to build omni-channel kind of customer journeys, you know, and, and omni-channel being like push and email or push email and app. Um, mm -hmm. And I would, the, the takeaway would be, think about this in terms of figure out what are the two or three most important points in a user's journey with your, your, your app, and then build these, these journeys with them. And so one should always be onboarding. Like how do you, someone downloads the, the app, how are they interacting with your experience to quickly find value so that they're, they find that, that point of like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm glad I, I downloaded this app and they remember it. And then what are the one, two, maybe three crucial moments after that for, to drive engagement and ultimately loyalty. Uh, my motto is always, let's try to turn every download or visitor into an evangelist. And there's a lot of work that goes in between that, right? Because it's you're not automatically just going to be an evangelist when you download an app. Um, and so the key part of that is automating some of these, these critical moments so that when people hit those inflection points, they're being messaged to and, and guided through it so they successfully land on the other side of your, of your business. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show. All right. Uh, we've um, addressed the major topic on the table for this conversation, and there's just a few quick questions that I ask uh, more than a hundred times I've asked this question to some of my guests on the show. Nice. Uh, kind of a quick, small set of questions to help with the audience to know every guest on the show a little bit better. So here we go. Question number one is this. What smartphone do you have now? Uh, have you been switching between iOS and Android or you've been staying one side all the time? I have iPhone. Um, and I've had an iPhone basically since they came out. I grew up in Palo Alto and literally I grew up like three blocks from Steve Jobs. My sister graduated oh. from school with his kid. So we've had Apple products and not just because of that, but they were always in our school. So I grew up with like the Mac 2E and then the mm. or Apple 2E and then the Mac S, uh, the Macintosh, the first Macintosh. So I've been, I've been pretty loyal. That said, I have played with a ton of devices, the Google Pixel and a few of the other Android devices, and they're all solid. Um, I just have really locked down in the Apple environment. So because of my job for various times, I've used other devices and had Android devices and they're solid, but I'm, I'm. I've been pretty much a loyal iPhone Apple user for forever. Yeah, you can kind of uh, repeat hardware and software, but it's really hard to beat the ecosystem you know, created by Apple. Yeah. The the hole that holds you in, not in against your will, but it's just convenience of that system. Exactly. Yeah. That's back in time, uh, not 19th century, but yeah, 20th century. Like <laughs> what was your first mobile phone? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's Nokia. Um, and I forget the actual model number, but I will tell a quick story. So I worked at CNET in these days. CNET back in those days was like oh. the preeminent product review uh -huh. place, right? So technology product review. I remember them. And I was friends with a woman named Joni Blancher. Um, she was our mobile phone. I think her title was mobile phone queen or whatever, but she was the editorial person who reviewed all the, the phones. Well, she got, she, every single mobile phone ever created that in those days was sent to us. Cause we were literally the place you would go. If you wanted to uh, read a review on a product, she could only mm -hmm. handle a handful of these devices. So I, I became friends with her. 
Um, and I basically, she would just give me phones to test and then I'd have to write up like pros and cons. And so I got mm -hmm. to use basically every mobile phone from like 2002 ish to 2004 ish. Um, and I can say <laughs> definitively, <laughs> we've come a long, long way, like significantly, like for, compared to like a, a mobile, uh, computer to today, it's, it, it's advanced a lot. It's great, but mobile phones then to you know these devices, these iPhones, these Google Pixels, the Samsung devices, it is night and day. Like in fact, the, the today's mobile phones. I know everyone says this. I'm preaching to choir, but today's mobile phones are so much more similar to a mobile uh, computer, like a mm -hmm. than 20 years ago, than they are to a phone. Like the phones back then were like basically single use. There's really nothing else. You could do some other stuff, but it was really hard. Um, so anyhow, we've come a long way. Yeah, that's, that's that goes back to that famous day when Steve Jobs introduced uh, iPhone, saying that's not the three things. This is just one thing: mobile phone, browser, email. Yeah, and that's kind of a hard yeah, to yeah. overstate how how breakthrough what a breakthrough moment that was. You know, it was for, it was like it was also a GPS. Yeah, it was like your music player. I mean, it was like there was it was an iPod. It was, it was kind of crazy if you think back on it, like that it took them, I mean, it's, that's an innovation that should have already been broken like three or four years earlier by somebody else. And then Apple just like iterated on it, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's still mind boggling to me because it was so obvious to, to me, at least to me, it was like, I, you know, cause actually I was testing these devices. I was always, I've always been a tech kind of gadget person. And I remember you'd carry around an iPod, you had your mobile phone, you'd have like a um, something is off like a GPS, uh -huh. you know, like, yeah, it was just like, these are too many devices. And like, so then putting them together was just this moment of like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Anyhow. Right. Uh, now let's get back to today. Uh, imagine you've left your smartphone at home for whatever reason, what would be the most missing feature for you when you're out? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, probably just friend text threads. That's the thing that I would miss. I'm kind of over the social component. And uh, while I'd probably long for like, wait, is something happening at work or something? Mm -hmm. I, I probably would be the thing that ultimately I'd miss the most is like the friend, fun, joke, text threads that I'm getting like dozens of texts on every day. Got it. Uh, now, how comes the question that I guess that like uh, really hitting the target this time? I because I'm asking the person who used to be in the gadgets review uh, department, specifically smartphone department, yeah. right now, your iPhone, what is, uh, what is your feeling about these uh, features, uh, hardware and software? What is missing? What would you like this thing to be able to do? And not necessarily something like a kind of a trendy or hypey, but something you know useful for you specifically. Yeah, it's, that's another tough question. I, I'm a junkie. So I, I think at this point, I'm trying to, to create breaks, you know, like go out, hike, um, bike, just get away. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to think of like technologies, you know, it's, it's an interesting time where we're, we're so far advanced. Maybe the technology I'm most excited about, but it's also furthest away in some ways is true uh, voice to text. So instead of having to sit in front of a screen and type, but like really good, you know, if you play with the Surrey or some of these other the solutions, mm -hmm. like it's not very good. It's okay, but it's not great. So it's kind of this dictation where I don't have to email and be, be in front of a screen. Um, mm -hmm. I know it's not like revolutionary, but it would make my life a lot easier. Um, so maybe that's it. I don't know. So Siri has to, has, has to have a conscious. 
it's not even like, I don't need to be a conscious. It's just like, honestly, the tactical job of, you know, when you're writing emails or you're writing proposals right, or right. projects or like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like that kind of stuff. Like if I don't have to be in front of a screen, I can just be talking about it, like walking or am I driving? Like it would really kind of cut down the amount of like busy work I do. Um, but I, I find that like dictation is just not that good, right? Like I'm, I have to, I have to spend almost as much time going in as fixing all the words. And then the sentences are way off. Cause it like, didn't get the meaning properly. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's it's not really helpful. It's not as helpful. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people are like, oh, you can just like speak into it and it'll dictate. And I've tried it. It's just not, maybe my, my voice is such that it's not been trained properly. I don't know, but I feel like that's really would be a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. It's really kind of a hard to get the fact that all of us, we use different gaps in our speech. We may, you know, kind of a change our mind on the fly, trying to say something different. I try to explain to, uh, um, you know, Siri or for that matter, Alexa or anything else that you've changed your mind in the midst of the sentence you're saying, trying to say something different. Just forget about what I was just saying to you a second ago. Yep. You know, with you know, with a human being, it it's it's not a problem, but with the AI, it's still kind of a, you're you're stuck. Yep. Exactly. Um, all right. Before I let you go, just very final question: How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Yeah, you can always tweet me, um, and it's just letter J, W E T Z E L. So at J Wetzel, um, or you can email me at J Wetzel at onesignal.com. Terrific, Josh. Thank you for coming. It was a pleasure to have you on a podcast and spend time with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Art. I appreciate it. Awesome. And that was Josh Wetzel, CRO at OneSignal. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer if you still listen for our podcast on the other computer and please remember don't forget to leave us a review or comment on itunes it is highly appreciated and all episodes will also be available on businessapps.com thank you for listening see you next week thank you for listening to the business of apps podcast for more head on over to businessofapps.com